We should like do a plan like like a little wave thing as we intro from that music and be like, I just like throw it over to you and it's like we just do like a whole little breaking thing, right? Oh my god, welcome to the crazy show tonight. You're gonna be hypnotized and then we overcoming your challenges, and then we started doing this thing. Okay, doing like dance. That's what yeah, see. What's up, brother? Hey, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. First and foremost, this is the Unfiltered Experience, where we bring you unfiltered conversations, either with myself and Mr. Scott over here and uh, an amazing guest. But tonight, it's just going to be Scott and myself talking about how we're thankful for different challenges yeah. that we've had in our existence, because with challenges equals growth. But uh, anyways, how are you doing, man? Happy Thanksgiving. I know you're, you got family in town, so thank you for being here. I know you were out yeah. and then you're back and you're like, hey, I love the show so much. We're going to be here for everybody. So oh. how was your Thanksgiving? And what are you drinking this evening, my friend? I'm drinking a Strayador Dam. It's a gluten-free beer from Barcelona. If you are somebody who is celiac, um, I highly recommend exploring Whole Foods or Total Wine. They usually have it. And it's actually shockingly good. And it's really gluten-free, not gluten-reduced like omission. So if you're celiac, you won't get sick. And you'll be shockingly happy how good it tastes. So there's my two seconds of advice that I think is pretty valid pretty good we need to contact them and have them be sponsors of the show we're gonna start thinking sponsors man we gotta get we're gonna totally, start getting the nikes totally and agree. oprah's and everything everybody totally in here agree. and you know it's funny um i went when we were in spain we were in um valencia and then we're in marcia and uh, marcia is like this little um when when the, the when spain was booming and the world the third you know the western world was burnt booming Mercia was one of these um, cool like golf towns so they have like pretty little like golf courses and like five-star hotels well, when 2020 happened, well, actually before that, there was all kinds of issues. There was issues with the economy. And bottom line, this beautiful town boomed that then was like, we can't sustain ourselves. So we went to this five-star hotel for like 80 bucks. And where I was drinking um, Strayador Dam, and they had like three other gluten-free bears from this company. And I just remember having the best time ever. And I hate that I was having and on the backs of they're trying to stay afloat. But I will say this. Thank you, Mercia. Thank you, Valencia. Thank you, Estrella Dordam. I would love for you to sponsor me and I will fully take care of you and refer you forever. And um, I apologize that it was so cheap to stay at your five-star village. But I really had a good time. <laughs> hey, you know, if the offer is there, it's up to us whether we want to hey, accept it or not. So that's the way I, I look at it. I was it. still taking care of them. I was still dropping small amounts of money into their, their place to keep them afloat. And um, I had a really nice time and I vouch for Spain. I love Spain and I love them. Love Spain. Beautiful people, beautiful the people, Spanish. beautiful community. The Spanish, right? The Spanish. Is that what it is? The Spanish. Well, you got to be careful this day and age, man. You will be, you will be cancel culture, man. No, dude, they know. I, Did you I'll see what happened? You. Speaking of that, Marilyn Manson, Louis C.K., yeah. and somebody yeah. else got all. I was Dave like, Chappelle. Dave Chappelle. Yeah, I, I was like, Marilyn, man, wow. And I love, well, actually, actually, I kind of dug. I actually, who, me? Oh, yeah. I actually read his autobiography. I understand him. He, I understand him. He's a fucking train wreck half the time, but he's a smart dude. It'll be interesting to see what he does out of this. I think hopefully he comes out as Brian, Brian Warner and starts doing shit that he can help his followers and his fans see his journey of growth. You read his autobiography and it, I'm blown away. Like everything makes sense. But at the same time, you know, you know, it's just, it's like crazy, but I wasn't going to go in that direction. We know that um, Mary Kay's in the house. She says, hello guys. Hope you both had a great Thanksgiving with your families. Wonderful. 
Yes, yes, yes. Absolutely. Moments, moments, moments. It was mine was nice and simple. It was just my wife, myself and my son sitting around our dining room table that we have not sat around. And I don't know how long we actually got all the stuff off of it and was like, okay, let's actually use this as a dining room table. Had a beautiful meal. I put up the uh, GoPro and we videoed it. And, you know, because I always want Jackson to be able to go back when he's way older and go, oh, my God, look at that. That was our Thanksgiving. We were just kept it chill and everything else. But um yeah, I mean, honestly, guys, the intention of the conversation tonight, what's up, Tom? Good to see you. Thank you for being here. And again, whether you guys are live or on the uh, replay, please, please engage with us. Ask us questions. This is a great opportunity because it's just Scott and I tonight. So if you have questions about the things we're going to be talking about, and really the intention tonight is for you, each of you to sit there and take aspects of what Scott and I are going to share in our own vulnerable experiences and the things that, ch that have challenged us the most that have caused us to, in retrospect, be able to go, man, I'm so grateful that happened. I wouldn't want to go through that again. However, but because I've done that, I've, I've healed myself and I've, I've grown more about myself. But more importantly for Scott and I, we're both coaches. We're both very, very, very successful, high level coaches. So what we've been able to do with this is we've been able to go help other people. And that's our intention tonight is that you guys take at least one aspect of, of what we say tonight and please go implement it for yourself and then go tell somebody else. That's all we're asking. We want you to throw a pond. We want you to throw a rock in the pond and start creating a ripple effect because the world needs it more than ever. So, um, and that, in that speaking of the world, before we uh, get into this, Scott, I just want to do a little shout out here for our friend, Serena Buffalino. Here's my, here's my, I'm going to call to action before we get to the end of the show where people are usually nodding off and going away. The call to action is this. You guys know Serena Buffalino. She's a dear friend of us uh, here on the show. She's been on here on the show a, very, a, lot, a lot of times, actually. Probably the most probably the most guest that's ever been on here. But really, HelpHealHumanity.org is such a phenomenal organization that if you know if Scott and I have ever inspired you and caused you to really reevaluate re your life and to really take your, 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 your perspectives to a different uh, level, please, please consider taking something and whether you would go buy something for somebody that you know, they're not going to use. How about instead make a donation in their name and say, Hey, listen, this is my little This is my little rock in the pond to create a ripple effect so that we can start really truly help healing, healing humanity. Because, um, I made the mistake the other day, Scott, I was going to tell you about this. Um, as I looked at the news, I actually made it a point to go look at the news and read it. Now, sometimes I'll scroll and I'll see the headlines and I went and I just start, I'm like, okay, I want to pull my head out of and go read it. And I was like, wow. So, I mean, please, dear God, let's all be a part of the solution. Let's uh, let's go support HelpHealHumanity.org. We can do that together. And that's our just our little request here from the Unfiltered Experience from us. And with that, my dear friend, challenges. I want to stay on that for one second. Okay? Sure. I want to stay for one second. So um, here's the thing. I, I want you guys to just take a deep dive into who Serena really is because Chris and I are people who really lean into what we believe. You know, Chris is the no excuses coach. He's all about referring to his life story and all the things he's gone through and saying, hey, if I got here, so can you. And I try to take a different, you know, maybe a little more spiritual. Why don't we go through these layers or whatever? But we've we've been there. We believe in what we believe. And Serene is one of those people like that. She's lived it. And this is a woman who had everything together. She's a teacher. Um, just a beautiful human being. And when you get to talk to her, you know, everything's always, I'm going to find the good in the negative and use it as a springboard for my success. And I just want to echo what Chris said, because she was teaching and she challenged her students to say, get outside yourself and be bigger. And they said, why don't we do something for a school in another country? And they end up in Haiti and they end up sponsoring a school in Haiti. And suddenly she's down there on the ground in Haiti where she could literally lose her life. Now, Chris and I can sit here behind our pretty little microphones and I can run back to my family and tell you how amazing I am and I'm doing all these nice things. But in recent history, 
maybe I've almost lost my life. The point is, I'm not intentionally <laughs> putting my neck out there. This woman will take anything and she will literally say, I'm going to put my life on the line for something I believe in. And the moment we do that collectively and say, I'm willing to risk my life to make the world a better place, this whole world transforms. So if you don't have something that you're purposeful about yet, and that's okay, maybe throw a nickel at this or some energy or even share via social media what Help Heal Humanity is doing. But I'm a massive fan. We had Tony Ladadio talking about cancer. We've had so many beautiful people with specific missions they're sharing, including our own. All I'm saying is for this moment in time right now, there's a place on earth called Haiti that's doing pretty poorly. And this woman is risking her life to make it a better place. Support it. Sorry if I was wordy, Chris. I just wanted to. No, 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 no. This is our show. We could be whatever we want. It's the young experience. It's, it's, it's that important. It's that important it is. because, because it, you know, we can't always throw a hundred bucks at everything, but we can certainly put our time. And I want to oh, make yeah. sure that I put that time because she deserves it. And I love her. And I love you. Okay. Oh yes, most definitely, most definitely. I, uh, um, I know sometimes she watches. So I'll, I'll be, but I, I mean, I would tell her anyway. I was, matter. I, I saw in the world news when I was when I was telling you I was looking at the news. It said update on Haiti because we know that there was 20, mm -hmm. there was like twenty five people that were kidnapped. I when I read this article and I read it from beginning to end because I said I'm going to really read the news and see what's going on, and I was heartbroken and devastated at at like, oh my god, like how is this going to end for them? Unless, unless somebody comes in there and starts saving them. It is so unbelievably horrible. Like this woman was coming back from the grocery market, bam, bam, bam shot. Like just, it's, it's, it's mind blowing. And we, and like you said, we see here and it's like, it's just, you know, there's so much opportunity for us to share whatever it is. Like you said, even five, 10, whatever, even, especially the, the social currency of people have the ability to reach other people. It only takes one or two here or there and then all of a sudden you got something going on so yeah no always 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 so let me leave this real quick because i because because i think one of the the biggest issues that we're seeing in a place like haiti is you've got so many people born out of wedlock and so many people born in situations where they don't have hope and my goal my mission my purpose in this existence is i empower people who have lost hope or are struggling to find the brilliance and share it with the world how many young adult and adult males have lost hope in Haiti? There's quite a few, quite a few, if not too many. And so when you're put in a position where you think the best situation for you is to kidnap people who have done nothing but try to support you and take their money or exploit them, something's gone wrong in the world. So I'm going to ask you a question based on challenges that I think is one that you'll want to answer because. Sure. Everybody needs to think about this. And you and I, it's a tough one for us both to answer. I know you've had many great role models that you have to look to extraneously, but they're not put there organically. It's not your dad. It's not somebody who you wake up next to every single day. You didn't always have that male role, role model there from day one. That's a challenge that, sure, there may be some good outcomes, but at the end of the day, there's so many people struggling without that father figure, that male figure there. How did the challenge of not having a nonstop male father figure there impact you? And what are you doing about that right this second? Because let's face it, there's a massive majority of our planet right now that's not getting that duality where there's the feminine and the masculine together and we're getting distorted perspectives on the masculine and the feminine. So my question to you is, without that male figure, how do you get that pure balance 
And what do you tell people who aren't receiving that to overcome that and move through it? Mm, that's a beautiful question, man. You aren't shitting. You were you were coming prepared. You did, you did, you did. That's fast. Yep, yep. No, that, that, that's an awesome question. You know what I think about that? You know, it's funny because all the time I was growing up, whenever it became Father's Day, and just for everybody's benefit about my past story, my mother was very promiscuous and I am born out of serious wedlock. My biological father had his own family. His wife was pregnant at the same time. My mom was pregnant. They were fooling around. They knew each other from work. So my biological dad was never in the picture. I think I saw him once when I was two years old and I think he came over for another session with mom. Uh, so anyways, I never had that situation going on. So for me, honestly, Scott, when Father's Day would come around, my mom would say, you need to recognize me as your father because I'm doing the best job I could possibly do as being a dad. So the thing I learned about not having a dad and trust me, God, did I want a dad more than anything to the point where she um, dated her boyfriend, James. Um, I won't say his last name out of respect because um, I've learned a lot about him and them since then that I thought he, I was going to, I was literally going to murder him. Um, that's another story. So anyways, um, I wanted him to be my dad so bad, so bad. And I remember this one time, it's a crushing story. When I think about the challenges that I had to overcome is I remember um, I walked, it was like a Saturday and I walked out with a football and I said, Hey, Jim, you want to go out in the front yard and throw the football? And he was like, Oh, you know, my arm, my arm, uh, maybe some other time kid. And I was like, all right, all right. And literally like two or three months, I'm not sure about the time, but pretty close from after that, his biological son came to stay with us for the summertime. And it was so crazy because my, my bedroom faced the front front yard. And lo and behold, I look out my window one Saturday or Sunday afternoon and they're out there throwing the ball. And I was like, so what my mom really taught me about that to answer your question, she, she, she taught me how to treat women. Um, I saw him disrespect her. I saw that she went to the, she went to the court. She got a, not only a hundred yard, uh, restraining order. She got a five mile re restraining order against him because he was so abusive. So she taught me the aspect of really treating women with respect and understanding what they're going through and not being this macho asshole. And ultimately I wound up being able to get around other male role models as you, as you suggested with Bill and some other people who, who taught me that masculine sign without being, you know, that, that stereotypical dude. Right. I was talking about it in the men's group. And that's another part of this answer is that because I've done all this and I can be macho, but I can still cry at the notebook. Um, I'm, I'm very emotional. Actually, I was just watching um, the Red Hot Chili Peppers uh, acceptance ceremony on the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And Flea was getting choked up. And I literally got started had tears welling up in my eye because he says, Mom, thank you for being here. And I remember that immediately to thanking my mom for being at my master's degree ceremony because she almost wasn't going to come. And he did that. And I was like, but I'm still, I can whoop the ass out of somebody. So now being able to do the men's group on clubhouse Wednesday nights, men are not my, my target market. You know that, I mean like 80% of my clients are all female between the ages of 35 and 70. So doing this men's group has been another way for me to say, okay, I'm masculine and I'm tough. And I have this, this outwardly personal appearance of being this badass. you know, I've never shot anything. I've barely shot a shotgun. I'm not into sports. I know probably more about hair and fashion than I probably do about, you know, the current state of sports. I was into sports a lot before, but then they went on strike and started bitching about money. And I was like, fuck off. You guys make too much money and teachers and police people need more of that. So whatever. So plus my, I got my priorities straight. So I'm not sure if I quite answered that, but really, honestly, she taught me how to treat women. She taught me how to be masculine in a feminine way uh, because she was so tough. She was so outspoken. She was so strong. Um, so I think I got the best of both, both worlds. Yeah. And, and and I hear that too. I guess I guess one thing I want you to to share more with me is this. You're, you're sitting with your mom. She's trying to replicate being a dad. 
And so she's trying to display, you know, masculine traditional traits, you know, whatever that means, like Chris, go out and fight if you need to. Chris, do the whatever the traditional masculine traits are, you know what I mean? But when you don't have that at home, which I didn't all the time, what do you do when that's called for? You know, you're being picked on in this schoolyard and a dad would say, Chris, don't come home till you punch him in the face. Or oh, I Chris, wish. But that's what I'm saying. Like those are those are those are the things that we miss in those places. So then then you come with a mask as a protection later instead of someone that's very organic. Because here's the deal. Once you punch someone in the face, that never happens again. Like once you you step up to somebody, it doesn't happen again. It becomes part of your identity. And whether you know it or not, when you walk into a room, everybody goes, that's the guy who's not going to punch me. Everyone feels it. And so mm -hmm. not to say that that's the only thing that describes being a man by, by no means, but there's those things that are important with a dad where they like throw you and they say, you know, go off and figure this out, go figure this out, go figure this out. And so when we don't have that and we're figuring it out later, it's freaking exhausting. It's exhausting. And, and I'll share with you later a little bit about my experience with that with my grandfather, because some of the beautiful things they taught, there were other things that weren't equal opposites to that. They weren't as perfect as, you know, listen, you can get one beautiful lesson and one shit lesson. you got to go which one's good and which one's bad. That's a lot for a 5, 10, 15-year-old kid. So oh, you're yeah. sitting there, some kid's picking on your mom saying, you know, don't worry about it, Chris. And you're like, I'm worried about it. What do you do in that moment? Because, you know what I mean? Like, it's it's freaking exhausting. So you fast forward from 10 to 50, where now maybe being tough is more important than it needs to be because nobody implanted that into you early on. So it's organic versus something like, I'm tough now. And everyone's like, that's cool, dude. We don't care anymore. And you're like, fuck, I'm 35 years old. <laughs> and I'm not even joking because you're not the anomaly. There's a shitload oh, yeah. of people in that situation who are forced to like be like this. And everyone's like, bro, we're just at dinner. I don't know why you're so mad. And so that becomes anger, sadness, emotion. What do we tell the kid who's sitting there at 15 years old who hasn't had a solid male influence? What do they do right now? What do they do? to either figure this out on their own or go to a boys and girls club or trust in a coach because shit. I mean, I can tell you the flip side of this story right now too, where somebody trusted in a coach and was physically or mentally abused. Like mm -hmm. this is a really shitty real world situation. I'm a 15 year old kid. Listen to this. I'm a 12 year old kid. Listen to this. I'm a mom who doesn't have a father figure in the situation. How do I help my son? It's a really difficult thing to do. What do we tell those people right now? What do you do? Well, that's, I mean, that's a, that's a great question. And to kind of go back to your point, my mom did not teach me how to fight. She did not tell me to stand up for myself. She was always taught me to be a victim and just to be seen and not to be heard. So the times, and I've told this a little bit, the greatest, one of the greatest challenges of, of my survival was getting, getting to be 17 years old, where I ultimately was able to separate from that, from that existence and from that, that identity. I was getting my ass kicked in the neighborhood, right on my own street, James Vidmar, Scott Vidmar, James Vidmar would always kick my ass. He was like three or four years older than me. He had a dad and his brother was, they were the most popular kids, had all the nice stuff. And he would be like, Oh, Chris piss, Chris piss. And I get the shit knocked out of me. I would go to school and then when I was in grade school, I get the shit kicked out of me most of the time. Um, it was interesting when I got to sixth grade um, and up until the point of sixth grade, you know, I'd get called, you know, my mom would say, oh, I would get, I would get uh, 
sent to the principal's office for fighting, but I would never win. And I'd be all fucked up. And she's like, why do you keep doing this? You know, you should learn how to run better blah, blah, blah. She never, she never offered to take me to self-defense classes because she herself was abusing me physically. She wanted me to stay in that victim role. What are you doing? What are you doing to antagonize them? Are you talking too much? Are you being stupid again? But the, the interesting thing happened in the sixth grade when I, and this is my, this is my advice really to everybody. And some people may not like this, but in the sixth grade, I said, the next motherfucker that kicks that, that hits me, I'm not stopping. I'm going to, I'm not, I'm not backing down because I'm going to get my ass kicked anyway. I'm going to stand up. And there was this guy named Chuck Yates. That fat motherfucker kept beating the shit out of me, beating the shit out of me. One day in the sixth grade, the second, second recess, we were on the monkey bars and he started Chris piss, Chris piss, Chris piss. I beat the living snot out of him and it felt so great. And I was like, oh, okay. And then I ultimately became the bully and had to learn my lesson through that. So even the challenge of being bullied and then becoming the bully was a huge awakening for me because I was, I was identifying my ego and everything else by the fact that, okay, now I can control the situation much like my mom. My mom has taught me if you're angry and you're strong and you're in control, you're the one in charge. And then I had to go through that evolution and figure that all out. But that's actually what happened when I left the seventh grade, when I became homeless, I went from this starting to fight in school and everything else to all of a sudden being a 13 year old kid living in the backseat of a station wagon. So it was like this huge, weird arc. So over my time has been trying to balance that masculinity, but still ultimately from everything is being able to go back and teach these young men and women, mostly young men through my mentoring is like, Hey, you're going to go on a journey and you ultimately have to stand your ground and stand up for yourself and be that person because yeah, you're going to take a Nick or something like that, but you're going to get a few in as well, but you're going to tell the universe that you're not going to back down because if you run from a fight, you're running from everything else in your life and fear is not the way to live. What about you, brother? I've been talking a lot. I'm going to shut up. You speak. No, I got, no, I got I questions I, for you. I, I got questions for I'm you gonna, too. I'm, I'm going to throw one thing on top of that. Cause you just, you just gave a beautiful alley you pass for what you and I talk about all the time. So you are sitting in the victim in the victim space, which both of us have been in. Oh, yeah. And the majority of anybody who's listening to the show has sat in that victim space where you say, you don't understand. My situation's different. It's not easy. You don't know me. The world's against me. That person, that person, that person to blame. And then you punch somebody one time or you step up and you go into what I call the sophomore, the wise fool. And now you look down and you say, I'm no victim. Screw you. I'm in charge. And then we take this place that we think we're in the light, that we're tough and we're responsible. And then eventually we say to the shift of that, I no longer wanted to be the bully or, the, or that sophomore, the wise fool. I want to step in a savior. I'm going to start saving the planet. But then we've got all the answers telling everybody what to, what to do. Yep. And the secret is to move through those three spaces as quickly as possible and get into the player. I could punch you in the face if I need be, but I certainly don't want to because that's not the way to change the world. I'm going to lead with love. I'm going to show you the game. I'm going to get on podcasts. I'm going to donate money. I'm going to teach. I'm going to do whatever. But I'm not going to tell you how to do it. I'm going to hand you the tools so you can do it because I trust you. You're in charge of your journey. And I love you enough to, to help you with that. And that's a freaking hard thing to do because the victim space is so sticky. We want to stay there. The sophomore space is so sticky. I like being a bully. I'm in charge now. The savior, look at me. I have the answers. I'm a superstar. I'm the teacher. It's all bullshit. It's sticky. Oh, yeah. And the player space is less sticky because you're dancing alone. But I'll tell everybody who's listening here right now, dance alone. The herd feels good because the warmth, the comfort. But when you step out on your own and you say, I'm going to dance alone in this new space because I know I'm in the right space. Guess what happens? In time, one person, two people, three people, four people follow you. And the warmth comes back and you're not alone and you did the right thing. 
So mm-hmm. as Chris did, and I see him personally talk about his elevation in those spaces, and I see him dance in the player space, and sometimes go back to savior as I do. It's a beautiful or victim. I, I go victim too. We all do, dude. True. I mean, you, you get the phone calls. I go pure victim. I want to punch people in the face, but I come back to reality. So there well, you the go. Ski mask helps you that. not get caught. Uh, <laughs> there you go. I'm gonna take a sip of my drink, and then you can ask me stuff. Ask me. Right, stuff. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna I'm gonna acknowledge. Uh, we got Susan in the house. Thank you, Susan. Susan is here. She says hello, Thanks, guys. Susan. For you guys How listening on the podcast. Thank Susan you. Susan goes on there. to say, "My brother was blessed with a." big brother for many years. Uh, my brother has grown into a wonderful father and a responsible and respected man. I am so proud of him. Thank you so much for Susan for being here. We, we love and respect you and appreciate you guys are, you got definitely part of the unfiltered crew. Uh, Mary Kay's in the house. Thank you, Mary Kay for being here spending your Friday night with us after Thanksgiving. Hope it was a blessing for you. Uh, she says here, I gave up spousal and child support in exchange for my ex to pick up our son from school every day for that very reason. Mm. What an awesome mom. Awesome. Freaking awesome. Mom. Yes. Awesome. And hooked on humanity. We've got our beautiful Ooh. friend Nelly. Thank Nelly you. Nelly in the house. The universe. Nelly, Nelly is a massive ray of light. Please yeah. go check her out. Um, the things she does for humanity in, in unselfish ways when she doesn't have like hardly anything at certain times is absolutely freaking awe-inspiring. I don't know, I don't know why I said freaking. I think of like no, you know why? Because we're we're backing down. It's all holidays. Well, well no, actually, I got in trouble for swearing by my fucking kids' school. <laughs> They're like, your son said, uh, um, didn't I tell you about this? My son said, uh, said something to a kid said, you're pissing me off. And I'm like, well, what's wrong with that? I said, he was addressing the situation and letting the person know that he was not happy. I mean, and then, um, he said something about with the word fuck. And I was just like, okay, so now we give him a quarter every time he catches us saying something. So it's pretty funny. So I was like, oh, I'm like, I can swear in here, but sometimes I just don't swear. It's kind of crazy. You know know what's amazing with that in, in line is I definitely swear too much. And I, it's a Boston thing. But my, my daughter always says, she says very passively, she goes, you don't need to swear. She goes, the things you say make a lot of sense. There's a 15-year-old girl telling me, she goes, you don't need to emphasize it. And I'm like, what about sometimes? She goes, maybe sometimes, but not every time. And I was like, okay, you're so much smarter than me. But you know what the beautiful thing is? The beautiful thing is, as I'm sitting in player state, she's seeing what I'm doing right and removing what I'm doing wrong and leaning into player state very fast so i i like what i'm doing as far as a teacher but she's right i don't i don't need to say fuck this i can just say this was could be better that way so i'm and i'm not taking away from it you know, you know dude I'm, i could swear all oh, day yeah. long and not hear it punctuation is it's, it's punctuation. punctuation in boston it means <laughs> that's what my wife said oh yeah in boston and when i'm excited i'm swearing left and right because i'm excited that's it so mm-hmm. to angel what do we got from angel beautiful words Angel says encouraging kids to be in sports band and other disciplines helps them helps with the lack of male figure in a child's life. Absolutely. That was going to be my other thing to, to, to what you were saying, Scott, was the fact that kids need to seek out those, those mentors, you know, go, I go agree. join a club. Go, don't sit in isolation. You got to take responsibility because nobody's going to come save your ass. You need to get up and go to like an olive crest. That's the place that I'm work with. And I need to do more work, work with it because I haven't been doing it, but, um, yeah, I mean, just go get involved with somebody. Get around the right people. If I wouldn't have got around Bill White, I would not be sitting here today. I'd probably be in a pine box or a jail cell. Or I mean, who knows? Maybe I would be, who knows? You can't even say that. Marlene's in the house. She says, congratulations, Christopher. This perspective of your evolution is such a compassionate and is such compassionate and real. Thank you so much for being here. Of course, of course. Got Poncho and Lefty. Jacqueline's in the house. Completely Irish and unstoppable. And, uh, and Nelly saying again, thank you, thank you, thank you. So... And I kind of said this before, 
you know, and we talked about help heal humanity. So I want to give a, I want to give a plug to go love now. What was the biggest challenge in really launching a global initiative to help people go love now? Because I know I was just talking with somebody earlier today. They said, I want to start a nonprofit. And of course, I'm involved with Help Heal Humanity and just seeing all the different layers of that. What was the biggest challenge for you in being able to say, I just want people to go love now? I, I mean, I can do this all day long. And so first and foremost, I have to ask my question, an important question. Was this ego-based? Because many people, when they start a nonprofit, and I'm not knocking your nonprofits, you see a situation that's a problem and you plug in a solution. Many businesses are ego-based. So I see a problem and I plug in a solution. I see a profit margin and I get excited about it. You can't play that game with nonprofits. Nonprofits need to be purely heart-based. So I see that there's homeless in Austin and I say I want to reduce the homeless population, period. Now, what happens with a lot of these nonprofits is they say, oh, I know just the way to do it. I'll buy hotels and we'll put these people in the hotels. Honest question. Do you really think that's symptomatic or problematic? Because problematic means that these people now live here and their whole existence changes. Now they have jobs and they're mentally stable. And the answer is, if you think it's problematic, the solving the problem, you're, you're full of shit because it's very symptomatic. Now they have a house. So my question would be, are you willing to work with the group that feeds them, educates them and does all the other things? So now we have an exempt, not, I don't want to use the word assembly on, we have a, a fluid efficient system that allows these people to go from without home to fully function in society. And I see too much of that. It's very ego-based. I'm going to solve one part of the problem. Look at me guys. Let's have a gala. Gal I'm, I'm amazing. And that's, that's bullshit. And I don't like it and it doesn't make me feel good, but the world is ego-based. So here's Go Love Now. I jumped right to that. I'm in a space of sales. I'm making money. I have this dream of doing this thing called Go Love Now that came to me one night when I woke up. I bought the domain name Go Love Now and I had the love and the fear model written out. So I don't know what connected to source means at that point. <clears throat> I feel like I was connected to source, but I'm like, Okay, I got this stuff that was written down. Was it drugs? Was it Ambien? Is it what is this? So, all and on honesty, I'm questioning myself. I'm going, is this ego based? What is this all about? Is this supposed to make me money? Is this some thing that's going to help the planet? And so, what happened with me was I said, I've got to figure out, am I living in here or here? And it was a massive confusion. And the mm -hmm. thing is, there was no Chris, there was no Scott, there was no group saying, how do you get out of your mind and into your heart? It was me going, okay, wait a minute. I want to make a bunch of money. Yeah, I want to help people. What the hell is this go love now thing? Should I be selling shit? And I'm like, very confused. Yeah. Very confused because there's nobody guiding me. And part of that might be my own fault, not looking for support. So here's go love now. I decide I'm going to go into schools and I'm going to save the planet. I've got this amazing program, the love and the fear model. So I go find the best speakers, the best stories. <clears throat> and I go in and I say, okay, school system, I've got this thing. We're going to get kids to express their emotion. We're going to change the way they view the world. We're going to save the planet. Let's start in Austin. We'll go from city to city to city. And here's what happens. My heart was driving it, but my ego said, I'm so damn smart. I'll get everybody to understand what I'm seeing. All right, guys, here's the reality. We're all in a different space in the journey horse to water, can't get him a drink. I'm sitting here thinking everyone will follow me because I'm a bright guy. It doesn't mean shit. 
So there's somebody who's remotely intelligent trying to tell a bunch of people do this. That's just egoic. It's ridiculous. So here's the thing. I brought the program in. I've got kids crying, waking up and excited. Why are kids excited? Because they're closest to source. They were born most recently. They were close to creator. And all these adults who are 40 and 50 and 60 who are teachers have all these pieces of identity saying, do it this way, do it this way. This is how it has to function. So it's very difficult to break them out of their thinking. So these kids are crying and laughing and going, I'm ready to grow spiritually, exponentially in my full form. And the teachers are crying, going, I have PTSD, I have trauma. And guess what they're doing? They're not supporting this. They're going, more kids are talking about suicide, more kids are depressed. No, 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 more kids are talking. Mm -hmm. And so, so what happens is the whole thing starts getting, I, I start getting kickback. And the reason I'm getting kicked back is because I'm trying to change the planet in the wrong way. You can't do it with kids first because the parents don't support it. So what ends up happening is Chris and I meet, other people like us meet. And I realize as sad as it is, we cannot go to the children trying to fix something without parental just support because then they have chaotic messages. I'm saying one thing. Chris is saying another thing. A teacher saying another thing. The parents saying another thing. And the kid loses their shit. You've got to go to adults to be the champions to infiltrate the schools, whether it's school board or teacher. Those people need to come in so there's consistency. Go love now. Fear is a catalyst. You're a beautiful human. You are creator. If those things aren't touched in that mind repeatedly and it's only one-offs, it literally drives somebody insane. And so to answer your question, Chris, I had to get out of my ego and sit and look and just take directives from source. How do I deliver this? And source keeps telling me the same thing. Stop trying to talk to 10,000 people. And I don't know how to do it because I want to get on stage and talk to 10,000 people. And every time I get on stage, source makes me black out or do something crazy. But when I sit in a classroom with 36 kids, guess what happens? 36 mm -hmm. out of 36 kids wake up and say, Scott, you changed my life. And I say, no, for three and a half months. Yeah, for three and a half months, I held out mirrors so that you could change your own life. And all I did was support safe space for you to do so. And you made me better and better every moment. And so to answer your question, Chris, the most freakish, hardest thing for any of us to do is get out of our ego and our mind because it can teach us how to make money quickly, how to exponentially grow and how to touch a lot of lives. But sometimes you got to back mm -hmm. up and touch less lives and change those in a way that is so infinitely insane that it's next level. And so maybe now I might only change 100, 200, 300, 400 every few months. And some people are going, you're bitching about that? Well, yeah. <laughs> I'm I've got big, my thoughts. But I'm a big picture crazy guy. I'm like, let's change the whole planet. So uh -huh. when I change 300, to me, that sounds small. But here's the deal. What if every one of us changed two? Uh-huh. Compound Holy interest. Holy shit. Compound interest. And so that's all I want to preach to people is this. Think big. Live big create big and know you're enough to change the world but the world has changed with one not changed ten thousand. I, I promise you it's i mean i could go through my email right now and read you emails that you'd think of bragging 
And every week I'm going to have you changed my life. I, I'm still here because of you. Yeah. And, and, and there's the crazy thing. Chris knows this. For a long time, that's not enough for me. This is what I want. Oh, okay. So somebody didn't kill themselves because of me. Somebody's life's better because of me. I'm like, but more, more, more. <laughs> this world needs to be changed one piece at a time with such depth and such one-on-one -on -one present moment touch. That's how it needs to be changed. And it's taken me a long time to learn that. And I'm still not good at it yet. Yet. The long answer. Sorry, Chris. <laughs> don't be sorry. Why are you fucking sorry? It's our no, show. You know, you're you, talking you, about you, fucking you, dirty you know, buttholes for you, the rest you know, of the you hour. You know why I'm sorry? Because you, because, because like I. It's I'm ingrained in you. It is. Yeah, you stop that shit. Both of us. It's both stop of us that together. shit. My coaching client who's not watching tonight, because usually she says something. My coaching client was like, I said, how was Thanksgiving? She goes, it wasn't the worst. Oh, I was like, and I'm working, I'm working on her, 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 her perspective. So if you're watching this, I love you. I'm not saying your name, but I said, how could you phrase that differently? And so she wrote back and she says, this is how I phrase it differently. I'm like, there you go. There you go. Shift your perspective, shift the shit you're saying to yourself. And ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, you would actually shift the trajectory of your life oh, by yeah. just getting aware. Like you were saying, Scott, you know, I love that when I was thinking about different challenges, I literally God's honest truth in thinking about this. And I usually, you know me, I don't prepare much. And I was like, okay, depending on what he, he asked me, I have seven things that I've never even shared on this show. Cause I was like, okay, I've talked about, you know, the gun to my head. I've talked about this. I was like, I listed seven major challenges in my life that because I went through them have made me the man I am today. So I was like, and I know there's more. And I was just like, wow. And, but to, to stand in this space right now, man, is so brilliant and so, so beautiful because, you know, the biggest thing that I get, somebody asked me, or my, my son actually said, oh, he says, daddy, you're scared. We were joking around about something. I said, no, daddy's not scared of much. Um, daddy's scared of living this life and having regrets. That's what daddy's scared of. Daddy's scared of like realizing where I'm at in this journey and wasting any more precious time when I could be impacting people and creating a legacy that he's going to be proud of. So that is like, you know, the thing I think about, but is it so your wait, turn to ask me? So let me steal your question. Hold on. I know you're going to go to another question of me. I'm not going to let well, you. No, you, you have a question for me. I do. And you just right. segued me because it always works that way flawlessly because even though we don't prepare, we're good at this shit. Oh, yeah. So here's the deal. You were just talking about Jackson. And one of the things that you say often, which I agree with, but I disagree with it, is you say my why is Jackson. And I never give you pressure about this because I love it. And if you say to me, what drives you? Oh, my God, Kayla drives me. Most beautiful human. And I see your eyes light up with Jackson. But your why has to be bigger than that. Your why has to be, why is Christopher here? And the organic result of your why is being a better parent. And so when you say it's Jackson, sometimes I want to get mad at you because I'm like, what about the little boy inside Christopher, that beautiful human being, this Jackson, but bigger and crazier. And it's got guitars behind him. And he's got shows and shit. What about that guy? And, and I want I want you to think about something right now. When you don't have a dad and your mom isn't perfect, but she's doing her best with what she's got. Your book of how to parent isn't the best book. So how do you get into a position with Jackson and become the best parent you can be? Because don't forget, cycles continue. You know, we've got a situation where what if I was to say, OK, everything my mom did is exactly the way I should do it. Now, I'll never criticize my mom because she did her best. You'll never criticize your mom. Of course, there's times you'd be like, well, I wish she did it differently. But here's the deal. How does a person sit 
within a less than perfect parenting manual that you're living out loud and then create a parenting parenting manual on the fly to be a great parent because to be honest with you a lot of what you do is very reactive that i will never do this so you're doing things for jackson you're saying i'm not going to do this and this and this and you're doing things for jackson out of fear that you do it wrong how do you get into a space and just be a beautiful parent because you're a wonderful fucking human being chris thank you like, just be that person like how do you how do you just how, how can you just be christopher roush beautiful husband beautiful friend beautiful parent without the stress of saying i've got to do this for jackson but how do you just become that beautiful person because so many people have such a lack of self-love that they're saying i'm going to do it for this person this person this person this mm -hmm. person and to your point of me saying i'm sorry it's the same shit. the fuck am i sorry for i'm sitting here with a friend having a beautiful conversation to empower other people so to the question how do we get people who have a less than perfect manual to live with as a parent? How do we get them to be great parents? And how do we get them to be a beautiful human being that overflows to our children and our spouses and not necessarily living for just them, but living because we know that our brilliance needs to be shared with the world. And that's what I want to see you do. So I laid all that shit out there live for you to answer now. Okay, if I'm understanding your seven-minute question. Uh, <laughs> it was seven minutes and 23 seconds, actually. All right, all right. Um, no, honestly, you know what's funny is my mom always told me, she goes, you should never be a parent. Do not ever be a parent. And I'm like, and I didn't have any desire to be a parent. You know, I was like, mm -mm. but I said, why? And she goes, oh, because the cycle of abuse has continued throughout our, our generations, and that will mean you will abuse somebody. And I'm like, okay, no, no, that's a, that's a choice. That's a choice. So to answer your question, I have made up my mission and I've talked to so many different parents before I even became a parent about, you know, punishment. Do you spank? You know, back in the day you can spank and not get up and you can get away with it. Now, if you spank, you're like, oh, you're a murderous parent, all this other shit. So to this day, never had to spank my kid. Never. I've been able to do it through communication. So, and I have chosen to do that deliberately, as you know, Scott, not from just being a parent, just being a better person at relationships. My mom was like, fuck you, fuck you. I don't give a shit what you think, blah, blah, blah. And I saw how that worked out in her life. And that's why I made it a personal mission for me to not go down that road and to really challenge myself in those moments. Okay. What are the things that we can do to negate stress? How can we, how can we, how can we, uh, you know, quell that, you know, fight or flight situation where we feel like we're out of control and we have to take responsibility for the situation and be in, in demand. I've been able to say, you know what? I'll be right back. And I've literally walked out of his, his room and went, what is his perspective right now? What is his perspective right now? What is this? Okay. He's a four-year-old kid. He's a three-year-old kid. He's this, his perspective is that his wiring is saying this. Okay, Chris, you're coming out of with this perspective that he's going to be okay. No. And then I've been able to go back in the room and say, okay, buddy, and get down on his level and say, here's the situation I need you to understand. And then I'll say it. And I'm like, okay, do me a favor, repeat it back to me what you understand. And throughout that process, he's now able to say, okay, daddy, here's what I hear you saying. And I never had that in my life. So I was able to, to sit there and stop, drop and roll as Dick Van Dyke used to say back in the old day and be able to go, okay. And it's not perfect. I've had situations. I've never told him to shut up, which I was told to do millions of times. And I say, okay, but it's now is the time to be quiet. We have to, we have to have an opportunity to, to let everybody just beef with this, what we're thinking about, whatever it might be. Um, so for me, it's allowed me that, that, that 
opportunity within myself to go, okay, is this the ego that's trying to control the situation? Is there something that I'm feeling that I'm not, that I'm, uh, that I'm, um, what's the word I'm trying to find that I'm not, um, that I don't have the skills to deal with. So that's what my mom would do. She would always get angry. And as long as she was angry, she was in control. And so for me being able to step back, but ultimately to your, to your original thing about the why, you know, my why to fight for what's right and what's fair to risk for which that matter to leave the earth a better place for who I am and what I do. But ultimately in within that scheme of things, and I even thought about it tonight, I'm like, my mission in life is to be the best possible leader for I for him that I possibly can, because the rest of it's all egoic bullshit, really. It's like, okay, he impacted millions of lives. And that's the ripple effect that I want to send. But ultimately, I have to remember, it's what I'm doing with him that matters the most, because he's going to really continue on that legacy of whether he's going to be a great person, or he's going to be like, wow, dad really fucked me up. So I don't know. Did I answer your question? Yeah, I just I, I always want you to lean more toward and this is but this is me. This is this this is my thought too. like I see you at your best when you fall in love with yourself and I see you at your best personally. This is this is one point of view looking from here to there. Of course. But I always see you at your best when you're doing something that, like you just said, is you're going to lead in such a powerful way that Jackson sees it versus the only here for him. And I think. And, and your personality and mine can get to this space. I mean, sometimes you get exhausted. You know, we're sitting here giving so much and you're like, I, I want to help this person. I want my wife to be happy. I want Jackson to be happy. And, and you kind of just default to all that matters is that I'm a good dad. And you kind of go to that space and that's a point of exhaustion. And so for you, for me, for anybody listening, step up, fill that cup up. You know, be Chris, get to the gym, send me those damn pictures where you're frigging banging out weights and I'll do the same. I'll play basketball till I can't walk because when we come <laughs> home, what our kid sees is that's what matters. You know, my daughter sees, wow, this is the guy who takes care of his body, who eats healthy, who teaches other people, who's a leader for others, who still loves me, who always takes time to listen to me. That's not doing it for them. That's being a certain kind of a being and they're the recipient among many others and that's all i'm saying is like i love when you do that and i think it's Thank beautiful and, and i want to make me do it more make me do it more i love you man because I, I mean i just tried i just tried just, that's, good. that's good i love it i need that you know me i'm like i'm ready to do ayahuasca to figure out what shit i'm dude, hiding dude okay we're, so we here all, we're all there so we've already been going for 46 minutes. I want to respect everybody's time. So here's a question that I had that came up to me like literally last minute when I was thinking about it. We've, you've, we've, we've been talking about our challenges and literally I had other questions I want to ask you. But when I think about this, I'm like, what do you think Scott's next challenge is going to be? Because we talk about, you know, people I was I was telling somebody earlier this day today um, and a lot lately is the hero's journey, the Joseph Campbell story. I'm reading in Will Smith's book. He's literally talking about this and he's talking about the different films about the Joseph Campbell story. And he's talking about all the different aspects of that. And we know that we we go through a story. We go through a chapter of the Rocky movie, whatever it is. We see the hero go through this and we're, and we're intrinsically like, oh, I want to be that person. I want to go that, through those challenges. I want to come back and tell everybody, hey, listen, I did it. I did 75 hard. I did this. I did whatever. And we come back and we tell everybody, but then we go again, we go again. So I'm thinking about what, what do you think your next challenge is going to be? Cause I know what my challenge next challenge is going to be. You know, that's a, that, I love that, that depth and simplicity of the question simultaneously, because so it's funny because here's where I've been dangling and I've been sitting in this space where I don't have to work a lot forever. We've got all our shit paid for. We've got a home paid for a second home. We've got two pieces of land. We've got a certain amount that if we just kind of 
teach and do a little coaching. We could drift off into the infinity and be very fine. And I sit here and I'm always like, you're telling people to live big. And I always try to define what does that mean? What does big mean? Is it big financially? Is it is it big returns? Is it big currency exchange? Is it big input? Is it big with minimal contact? You know, like, what does it mean? And everyone says it. Everyone says, you know, dream big, live big, think big. And sometimes when I echo what somebody else says, I go, is that my words or am I repeating? And I get pissed off. And then I sit and I process because I don't like saying things that I don't fully comprehend at all. Right. And I understand what the think big mean, the big big really is. And like, I just echoed it a little bit to you. It's not 10,000 people. It's not a thousand people. It's not 30 people. It's not amount of money. Think big is this, this is where my next vision comes to. And I, and I would highly recommend this to others. And I'd highly, highly, highly recommend this to others. And I know Chris sees this in me because sometimes I disappear, live in the fucking moment. And I've been preaching this shit forever and i what what i do is i live in the moment momentarily and then i run off and i want to talk to ten thousand people so i go to my speaking bureau i say the right things i i I speak articulately to this group i say this to this group and i'm like doing numbers i'm like if i talk to this group and this group and this group i travel on the planet and i go to 50 countries and i start freaking out i'm like i'm going to touch everybody but then at the same time i get mad at people like tony robbins who go get very excitable and they get people hooked on their moment. And then those people are addicted to the moment. So they've got to another Tony moment, another Tony mm-hmm. moment. And I get mad at that. And I say, how do I avoid being that? And here's the answer. Chris and I are sitting here right now. And look at the beautiful people here. We've got Nellie, we've got Mary Kay, we've got Robert. We <laughs> we've got uh my friend Deborah's in the house. Yeah, Deborah. We got. Yeah, I haven't talked to Deborah in a, in a long time. She says here that is awesome, Chris, being present with our child and letting the. She says letting them to share back what they hear and feel. Thank you for yeah. being here, Deborah. Yeah. Yeah. And the point is, we're here. We're here. There's a few people here, and we're connecting, and we're having a beautiful time connecting, and it's very one-on-one. Chris and I could be sitting. And, and, you know, we're in California together. We're just sitting there. It's beautiful. Like, it's a one-on-one moment. Have more one-on-one present moments. And I think what's going to happen, and this is just my opinion, I think what happens is the world slows down. So when we have this moment, if there's 20 people here, that's fine. If people hear this later, that's fine. But even if one person receives this and we're connected in this moment, and that moment amplifies and becomes bigger and better, that's all I'm looking for. I don't need a million people to say they know my name or they know Chris's mm-hmm. name. The only thing that I'm looking for, honestly, right now, and my next big thing, my next big goal is to be more present. And it's ridiculous that I'm saying that because I've literally been known on the Internet as the mindful living expert. That means being present while I'm talking to tens of thousands of people versus just shutting the fuck up and being in the moment with my daughter, my wife. Chris, anyone I speak to. And I'm decent at it, but I want to be a master at that. So there's my next challenge is every single person I talk to, to be so freaking in the moment that you're almost disgusted by it because you feel like you have a Scott blanket hanging on you and you're kind of going, Hey, can you stop that? You're freaking a me Scott out. Scott blanket. Ladies and gentlemen, coming to Amazon near you, a Scott, Scott blanket. blanket. 
it's they sell them at Walgreens. It's they sell them at Walgreens. I'm just gonna I'm gonna jump out of the aisle and just jump on you and follow you out of the. You should. You should. That is funny. Uh, Robert says that is gold. That is gold. That is gold. Mary Kay says here. I agree. Um, yes. Um, you guys are amazing. Be present. Ladies, lady law speaks Deborah Reisendorf. Uh, be present and let the moment amplify Deborah. I got to get you back on this show. Deborah was on my, the kick-ass radio show way back when. So Deborah and I go back to the rock star days. That's another story, but she knows what I'm saying when I say rock star days, Mary Kay says here, believe equals believe in good. I like Ooh, that. Look at that. Mary Kay is our fellow coach. She's going to be on. She's going to be on our show here pretty soon. She goes, I would buy that blanket. It's going to have Scott's Thank face you. on it. So I don't know. I can smile. When I'm tan in the summer, I look decent. It you might do. be worth yeah. it. Yeah. We got those deals. Um, so, Chris, let me end you with one question because um, I think this is a good one. I was going to okay. throw back what you just said on me, um, but you kind of self-answered and said you're already there. So, what I want to ask you is this, and this is something for, for almost anybody here, because a lot of us were kicked into this space too early. When you're sitting here as a child and, you know, um, what was it, Holden Caulfield and uh, Catcher in the Rye, like the big motif to that whole story was innocence to experience too quickly. That's a big issue for many people in America. Oh, yeah. So when I'm sitting here in what's supposed to be in my childhood where I develop my experience through a period of innocence where I start to explore and I start to feel when experience is just punched just into your gut and suddenly you have no time to be a child. Let's talk to the part of the world that lives in that space and you included. How is it that somebody who's listening to this right now, who's either lost that opportunity for childhood, lost that opportunity to innocence, and they've got to jump into manhood, womanhood very quickly, how did you do it and how do you recommend other people do it? Because a lot of people are thrown in that space. And what happens? Because we see somebody's 40, 50 years old trying to relive their childhood. What do you do as somebody who had your childhood? I don't want to say stolen, but shortened. How do you manage that? And what recommendations do you have for others to manage that? Dude, you ask awesome, awesome questions. Um, I, you know, you. I, listen, I, listen, I listen to you, dude. That's oh, what you thank do. You. Okay, I, I'm going to go back to a therapy session. Um, Dr. Beverly Johnson, I'm in, a, I'm in a therapy session. And she at one point says, when do I get to talk to the real Christopher? And I'm sitting there going, what the fuck are you talking about, woman? I'm, I'm being me. She goes, she goes, and I really did not dig her, her, her therapy style and everything else. And I've had some great therapists and I've had some idiots. I've actually had one therapist that was on the floor. And I'm like, can you please get up? And I was helping her. It was great. I kid you not. Kid you not. I can't, I can't even make that shit up. But Beverly Johnson, I dug her because she was straightforward. So I kept going back and I was like, okay, I'm going to get something out of each session. And so I went back and I, and she said, she said, Christopher, when did you stop being a kid? And I was like, Oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. I'm like, okay, was I five? No, nah, I moved to Ferndale. Okay, seven. Nah, I still kind of was young. Nine. I'm like, I guess right around nine, you know, my sister left and, you know, everything became a responsibility. My mother's husband left. And it was, I said, so about nine. And she goes, what do you do to get in touch with your kid, your kid self now? And I said, you know what? Actually, that's a that's an interesting aspect because I don't spend a lot of time playing because and through this process, Scott, I realized that all my life it was you work, 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 then you get to play. But 
in my world with my mom, it was work, work, work. Then you get to do more work, work, work. So you make sure that you never falter back on not working. So it was always that constant state of, okay, I got to seek first, you know, to, to complete and then to be able to enjoy. And I never got that enjoyment part. So one of her things was like, okay, I need you to put, put time on your calendar every week to play. And literally as God is my witness, I'm staring at a PlayStation three and a four right in front of me. I'm looking at a, a 55 inch TV. I could show it to you guys, but then I'd screw up my camera angle. I, that's one that's still on my challenges is, is playing, but, but, and you guys have heard, heard me talk about this. You heard me talk about it, Scott. When I wake up in the morning, one of my first intentions that I say out loud is to be present and playful with my son. And it wasn't always perfect, but more and more and more. I'm like, where is he coming from right now? Come on, dad, let's play pirates. Okay. If I was a five-year-old playing pirates, how would I sound? What would I say? You know, I'm not just trying to get through this moment so I can go to something else. So he has taught me to be present and playful, but still that's one of my bigger challenges is just to be able to kick back and on, and on a Tuesday and say, you know what? I want to play video games for a while. That just always goes, no, you have so much shit to do. So yeah, I don't know. I love it. And I'm, I want to, so I want to do something you know every once in a while i come up with a poem i either recite something from high school or whatever <laughs> i want to share something because i think one of the things that we have the tendency to do is and you said it right there you know you've got to work and then play or play and then work like the integration of all of that is i think where we need to go we haven't figured out how to do that collectively yet and i think that's an issue because as kids we're like we got to do this do this and then we have recess and we're trained to like, you get this and you get this, you get this. And then adulthood work and you can come home and play, but then we can't play because we got to fix the air conditioner. We got to do this and we got to make dinner. And then we got to work later because they extended the hours and suddenly we're retired and we die and we never even get a retirement. I want to share a poem with you guys because it means a lot to me. And for years when I was speaking on stages, this is what I used to end all of my speeches with. So it's so freaking important that I literally ended every speech, no matter what the topic was. I said, guys, an integration of work and play so that all of life is one and the same. It's by James Mishner, and it's been attributed to some other authors, but they always come back to James Mishner. The master in the art of living is what it's called. The master in the art of living makes little distinction between his work and his play, his labor and his leisure, his mind and his body, his information and his recreation his love, and his religion. He hardly knows which is which. He simply pursues his vision of excellence at whatever he does, leaving others to decide whether he is working or playing. Because to him, he is always doing both. And so this is my challenge to you guys, and this is something that I've done reasonably well. I teach, and Chris and I talk about this all the time. I gave you guys my, my purpose earlier, my why. My why, my purpose is to empower people who are struggling and or lost hope to find their brilliance and share it with the world. So all of the vehicles that I work with, teacher, podcast, coach, I'm always doing that. So you don't know if I'm working or playing. I'm going to leave here right now. I'm going to be the same person. I'm going to sit with my family. I'm going to be the same person. I'm going to be here the same person. I'm going to be as a teacher the same person. I don't go get more strict in one place or be more funny in another place. I'm this lame everywhere. That's just who I am. <laughs> he is. I've seen him in person twice. You ever see the big, the big guy ride the, the tricycle? Yeah. No, that's awesome. That's though. But, but what I'm saying is, and, and I, I, I push this to everybody, just think of this. Imagine when you go from work to home, 
and you're sitting in your car and the diffusion of stress. If you're somebody who likes work and freaks out going home or vice versa, there's always a stress. What if you chose your life that your partner is your actual partner? They make your life better. And you chose your occupation or what you do to contribute to society. Your brilliance is a place you want to be. So when you wake up, you don't go, I have to go to work. You go, I get to go to work. <laughs> yeah, mm -hmm. I get to. And then and then you come home and you're like, like I was saying to Chris, like, you know, we won't I won't bullshit you. I was supposed to see Christmas lights tonight. I'm like, shit, I forgot I was supposed to do this. But I wasn't doing it out of I'm just I'm literally always in the moment. I'm having fun. And I'm like, oh guys, I gotta go do the show. And I'm not, I'm, I wasn't like, fuck, I got to go do this show. I was like, I got to go do this show. And then we'll go do this. And then we'll go do this. I literally have taken my life of what you think an adult should look like of constant stress of a giant child who gets compensated for what they do. And I beg you guys, it's not easy to make that transition, but find the things you love, do them, find ways to be compensated for them and stop saying you can't because if you say you can't, you're right. And if you say you can, you're right. If you say you can't, you're right. If you say you can, you're right. So integrate those things. Be the master in the art of living. There's nothing better I could offer you on this show right now than that. Become the master in the art of living. Read that poem and put it in your fridge by James Mishner because it is words to live by. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, I'm not even going to say a word. That was a beautiful closing, man. Beautiful, beautiful closing. By the way, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, thank you for being here. Again, always go to theunfilteredexperience.com. You can find our shows there, past and present. You can always be able to click, get reminder, and be able to uh, be able to come and join us in the conversation. We appreciate you guys. We've had uh, so many different awesome people in here tonight. We got Mary Kay and Tom and Angel and Susan and Marlene and Deborah. Thank you so much for being here. And of course, Nelly has been in the house. Again, go make sure you go check out golovenow.com. Go support Scott. It's amazing. We got to keep we got to keep the love going right now. Mary Kay says it's a ripple effect. Of course, 100%. of course. We just ask each and every one of you guys to take something from this conversation. Like I said at the top of the show, if you haven't seen it from the top of the show, go back and watch it, please. If you get anything out of this, please share this. Our intention really is to make an impact in this world one person at a time. And that person could be you tonight. You could share this with somebody who watches this and goes, oh my God, that's exactly what I needed to hear because everywhere I go, I seem to be saying stuff that people resonate with. So um, if it's just one person or if it's 12, whatever it is that we can do, Scott and I are here to serve you. We both have coaching programs. We're all, we're both different kind of coaches. So reach out to us. We both got stuff going on for 2022. Um, reach out to us. We want to support you. And uh, we love you. We love you. Mary Kay says, here, I lost some of my childhood. For me now, it works to adopt curiosity. Yeah. You got to go back to the curiosity. You got to go back to the yes. playfulness. Tom, Jen, thank you so much for being in here in the, in the house with us. Sounds like life. Yes. Sounds like life. We're going to be here every single Friday night, 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. So if you don't want to put a click reminder anywhere, just put it in your calendar. That way you can come join us in the conversation. If there's any guest or any topic that you would like for us to cover that you haven't seen us cover before, please reach out to either Scott or myself. We'd be happy to have that conversation with you guys. But most of all, we just want you to walk away from this feeling a little bit inspired and really take responsibility. You have to stand up for yourself. You have to decide you're not going to continue the cycle of bullshit that's going on in your life. You have to decide that nobody's going to come and save you. Nobody's going to say, hey, you have to stop blaming everybody outside of your area of control and just accept responsibility and decide that you're going to take that one step 
Take that one step in that direction. Take ownership for shit you're not going to tolerate anymore. And the universe will respond in kind. They will start introducing you to the people that are going to take you to the right places. That's how I met Scott. That's how I met so many beautiful people in this world. It's because I said, okay, I'm ready for the next thing. I'm ready to learn. I'm ready to grow because I know from my challenges, that's how I grow. And that's how I learn. Nobody's ever said to me, um, I've learned the most when things were good. So we love you guys. Go have an awesome weekend. The unfiltered experience loves you. Peace out. Love you guys.